You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. My intention is to share simple tips and tricks that will make a huge difference in your life and home, as well as give you all the support and encouragement you deserve to enhance your parenting experience. I've created a safe place for us to explore the issues and concerns that matter to you, bringing you clarity and solution with Q&A sessions and inspirational conversation with world-renowned experts in a variety of fields. I'm a firm believer that parenting was never meant to be done alone, and I'm here to debunk the general consensus that it has to be hard. A warm welcome to you, and thanks for tuning in. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Art of Parenting. This is your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. And today I am very excited because this is the first time that I actually have two guests on at the same time. And I have Linda and Charlie Bloom today. And we are pre-recording this, so when you get to listen to this, the day will have passed. But today is actually Valentine's Day. And I am just so thrilled to be talking to relationship experts on this day of relationships. So welcome, welcome, Linda and Charlie to The Art of Parenting. Thank you for making the time. And thank you for inviting us. I'm delighted to be here with you today. Well, wonderful. So I would love if... um, either one of you or both of you, because you might have two very different definitions. But I always like to start the show with having my guests define what the art of parenting means to them. It's about being a really wonderful model. And many years ago, I had a spiritual teacher say to me, if you want to bring up your children well, bring yourself up. And I thought that was profound wisdom, that if we do our own work to evolve into who we can be, a person who is of high integrity, who's honest, who's courageous, and who has some good relationship skills, we're getting our children off to the best possible start. Yes, so, so true. I love that because it is such, parenting is such inner work as well. So beautiful. Anything to add to that, Charlie? Well, you know, uh, I, I think that it, it really is an art. Um, and, and it's also a science. I mean, there are um, aspects of it that, of, of parenting that are kind of instinctive and, and intuitive and, and natural uh, that are programmed into us. Um, but, but at the same time, um, we have to deal with the reality of um, living in this body, living in the culture that we live in, that has the values that it has. And to some degree, um, there may be inconsistency between what's best for the child or or the family and uh, what the culture values. And and sometimes there can be a a discrepancy between those two. So, um, and, and, you know, the other thing is that there's almost always a discrepancy between um, the perspective of each parent. <laughs> um, anybody who's been in a relationship for any amount of time knows that differences are, are inevitable. And so that's a place where there can be some challenges. 
Definitely, definitely. And I think we're going to get into that one because I think that's something that my listeners probably want to know a little bit more of how to navigate that. Um, But first, before we get too involved in our conversation, I would love if you could share a little bit about yourselves and the work that you do today. Well, we're both psychotherapists and we specialize in working with couples. And we are teachers. We teach at Esalen Institute and at Kripalu in Massachusetts. And we're co-authors, and our newest book is launched today. That's book number five, An End to Arguing, 101 Valuable Lessons for All Relationships. And all of our books are about having high-functioning relationships, successful, great relationships. And we have learned it in the trenches of our own relationship because it hasn't always been as splendid as it is now. I'm happy to report that we're in, we're enjoying a golden age. And we had our 50th wedding anniversary just a few months ago. We had a big celebration because not only have we made it 50 years, but we are really happy together now. And we've gone through some difficult times in the past, and that's where we learned to have some practical wisdom to pass along to others. Oh, beautiful. And congratulations on, I I was calculating yesterday and I was like, oh my goodness, 50 years. That's amazing. Uh, What beautiful way to to share about relationship by modeling what it is to have this long-term beautiful relationship. So thank you. Um, and wonderful congratulations on your book coming out uh, today as well. So I, I will have the links in the show notes for, for that as well. Um, and so let's um, talk about this, this whole idea of, you know, having these healthy relationship, but with parenting, because I think that we, you know, we get into a relationship, we're madly in love, we get along and so forth. And then we decide to maybe grow our family and children come into the mix. And I know for me personally, that was the very first time that I actually argued with my husband was about the children about what was, you know, right to do or wrong to do and all this. And I know Charlie uh, mentioned that in his definition of the art of parenting, that that can be a challenge. So if you had any words of wisdom for maybe new parents that are listening to us today, or even, you know, seasoned parents, but how to make sure that this first you know, love relationship that we, we, we decided to be together stays healthy and that we can grow with the aches and pains of being parents together and so forth. Wow. Great question. Thank you for it. Um, you're not alone in terms of, uh, having your first major argument, uh, your first major challenge, um, when, a child arrived. <laughs> um, statistically, the, the time in a couple's life where they are most vulnerable to having serious breakdowns and divorce is uh, the first year after the birth birth of the first child. And that's, that's very common. Anybody who's been a parent can uh, appreciate what a radical 
change it is in one's life. It uh, is. It is. King <laughs> steps in and all of a sudden it's a brand new game. And, and th there really is no way that anyone can adequately prepare for the, the degree of challenge that that's going to bring about. Um, it, 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 I don't want to just focus on, you know, the difficulty of integrating a new family member. I, I want to also emphasize that the degree of bliss and joy that also is available is, I think, what en enables us to go through some of those challenges and hang in there. Because we know that this, this is a very unique relationship that we're having with this, with this person. And, and it's unlike any other one that we have ever had or ever will have. And, and that's what motivates us, I think, to, to do the work. And it is work to provide a responsible model for our children so that they can experience the, the pleasure and the, and the satisfaction and the joy of uh, being partnered and providing a sanctuary for their own children. You know, the, there's just nothing that is, is comparable to, to this, both in terms of the, the, the joy that can come and the anguish and the challenge that, that can be there. So I, I guess if I was going to give any words of advice to a prospective uh, couple who's expecting to expand their family, um, it's to be prepared for um, a big challenge because it's going to come and it doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong. Sometimes it's very easy to start thinking that, oh, you know, it shouldn't be this hard or this is not something that I think, you know, this is, this is a problem that's somebody else's fault or it's my fault. No, it's, this is part of the process. So try not to blame yourself, try not to blame the other person, but be prepared to do some of the work, to learn if you know, have some learning experiences that you're going to need to go through in order to, to create the kind of, being the kind of parent that you really want to be. Yes, and, and I think it's it's good that you say that in that preparation. I think it's also like a, a conversation to have maybe when we are, you know, waiting or expecting. I know for me, like looking back, I wish that I had been kind of guided to maybe talk to my partner about, you know, what their expectation were about raising a child, what how their childhood had been, and so forth. Because as as you know, I always say is is like the only certificate or diploma that we have to be a parent is our own childhood, and we bring that to the table. And um, so, actually, saying that, I wanted to ask uh, either of you, like. Why do you think that it is so difficult to navigate this new relationship when a child comes into our 
love bubble, right? I mean, you would think that we 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 you know, we're having a child because it's it's a child of love and that we want to expand our family. And yet this this, you know, it kind of brings up like you say this this anxiety and that we we don't agree on how to raise the child and such. So where where does that really stem from and how can we I guess, you know, again, my question is really about better preparing or, or, or not maybe preparing, but just having tools to be able to navigate these moments. Because I think oftentimes I'm afraid to say that people kind of tend to give up maybe a little too easily and that it is hard work and we have to like power through it. <laughs> uh, unless, of course, you know, it, it ends up being an abusive relationship or whatever. I would never want anybody to power through that. But I'm just saying that sometimes it almost feels like so hard and so difficult that we're just like, okay, I'm throwing in the towel. I'm walking away. I don't want to deal with this. So how, like, what are some tools that you share with the couples that you work with that might be having, you know, issues in their relationship because of their new role as parents? It's a great question. And one of the most powerful tools that we offer those who do workshops with us, who do counseling with us, and we say it in our books that we write to, that it's so important to check in with yourself and to find out what you are experiencing and tell the truth starting with yourself and then to go to your partner and check in regularly with them and share what is coming up with you. No matter how well you may feel that you prepared for the new soul coming into your family, there are going to be surprises. There's going to be fatigue and sleeplessness, and there's going to be competition for who's going to do what. And, you know, this has all got to be discussed openly. And I think one of the things that throws couples in the beginning is they haven't comprehended how enormous the change is going to be in their life, how disruptive it's going to be. And they are using the same amount of check-ins that they had before, which might not have been even enough, but got by before. But so much strong emotion is coming up. Fears about, am I going to be a good parent? Irritability when you're overtired. Sometimes resentment about the way the other person is handling the baby or not involved enough. And sometimes there's jealousy that the baby is so adored by mom or so adored by dad so that we can feel displaced, that we're not the center of their life anymore, that the baby is the center of the life. The romantic partnership may be, um, I see it as another baby in the family and that it gets neglected. And so the relationship needs attention too. And the baby will nap sometimes and the baby will sleep sometimes. And grandma or grandpa will come over or auntie or uncle or cousin or a good friend and take the baby, put the baby in the pack and go out for a walk so that the couple can have a little time together 
to be honest and open with each other about what's going on with them so that they can feel connected with each other, that they're a united team. And the challenge of becoming good parents is the challenge over there. The other person is not the challenge. Right, right. And and I love that you say that because it, it just, it brought back actually a flashback of when I had my first child, my, my mother was out of the country. So she didn't come until I think my daughter was a month old. And I remember like the first thing she said was, okay, I'm here. You can go out, you know, you two can go out. Like it was really very important for her, for us to have that time together without, you know, without our newborn. And I remember really, it was kind of hard for me to leave the newborn, you know, a, a month, but I remember it was, you know, just a little evening out was, was precious because it's true. We, we were so focused on this newborn at the beginning, uh, especially I think, you know, for us moms who are breastfeeding or such, it just, it just takes a lot of our time and energy. So, um, and, and so do you, like, do you advise, um, young, you know, young parents or, or parents who are expecting like how to maybe surround themselves with more support? Because I, I feel like we're, we've been parenting more and more in total isolation, right? Where we're either, you know, f- far from distance from far from our parents, or maybe we don't get along with our parents anymore. And so we don't necessarily have that uh, village that I think we used to have of uh, people caring for the new family. How do you how do you navigate that today? Uh, that's an enormously important point that you're making about the absence of the village, and that might sound like a cliche, but it's literally true that it does take a village to raise a child, and um, th- there are people who claim that the, the setup that Western culture has of of the, the family unit being limited to the parents and the children is a failed experiment. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not saying that it is. I'm just saying that there are good arguments to be made that this is not necessarily the best way to raise a child. And when we look at other cultures in which, and, and they're often indigenous cultures or, or third world cu- cultures, who have extended family, uh, who have neighbors, community that acts as parents has have the same level of responsibility for the the children in the community. They seem to do better in terms of the support that you you mentioned um, that's necessary. So there's something to be said, I think, for that. And I think it's very easy to underestimate just how essential it is. Uh, to have support and how when when there's not an adequate amount of it, it's very easy to feel uh, guilty, like I should be doing a better job or, you know, my partner should be more involved. Well, you know, we have other responsibilities and it's very difficult to, to meet adequately for two people to adequately provide for the needs of the children when uh, more and more both parents are working uh, full-time or more. So it's, it's important to, to appreciate and recognize the context in which the children 
are, are being raised and to really prioritize um, our, our values and to be willing to, I mean, uh, a lot of people hate this word, but we have to make some sacrifices to make some compromises sometimes because it's not possible to have all of everything that you want. Something's got to give. And, and all too often, it, some things that seem dispensable turn out to be necessities. Right. So we have to be very discerning about, you know, how are we going to allocate our time, attention, and energy? And it's a we. We have to decide that as two people, um, as two parents. It's like Linda said, it's an ongoing conversation of continually uh, updating the other person how, how am I doing? How, how are you doing? Uh, what are you experiencing? What are you needing? What's working? What's not working? Having an ongoing dialogue like that. And for all too many parents, they don't allocate sufficient time to do those check-ins. They're extremely important. Yes, definitely. I know I always try to encourage the families that I work with to make sure that they carve out some special time for that, you know, that first love relationship, which is, which is the parents, because I think we tend to put that to the wayside when children arrive in our lives. And it's so important to keep nurturing that relationship. Um, so I'd, I'd love to kind of change a little bit uh, the topic on this. I'm, I'm really intrigued about your new book about the, an end to arguing um, because how do, how do we avoid arguing or how do we argue with respect? I mean, to me, you know, arguing is okay if we're just, we just have different points of view, but sometimes we get maybe, you know, offended or <laughs> we get, you know, we take it personally and then we hold a grudge and all this. So how do we argue with elegance? Well, I'm grateful for the question. And we have been pondering this for a really long time. <laughs> and, the, and the clarity that we have arrived at is that differences are inevitable, but conflict is optional. So of course, we're going to have differences, but whether they turn into an argument is another matter altogether. When it goes over the line where people are trying to coerce the other person to believing the way they believe, to seeing things their way, to let them be right, to convert them into a different belief system or to change their behavior, you've grabbed too much ground. You've passed the point where it's respectful conversation about your differences. And so when people do mindfulness practice and they really check in and they see that they're getting emotionally very activated, that's a time to take a little pause, to reflect, to take a few breaths. Sometimes you'll be so emotionally activated, you have to take more than just a few. And to calm yourself down so that the intention that you bring to the conversation is one where you learn and understand. It's not to convert the other person to your belief system. It's a tremendously different come from. Do you know when I really want to understand your point of view, I maybe won't agree with your point of view, but I do want to understand why it is that you see it this way. 
what is it about your history? What it is it about your own childhood, your own bringing up? What is it that may be uh, really alive and raw for you such that you have an attitude about child rearing that is the way it is? Was it too lax in your family and you feel that our children need more structure? Was it too controlled and too structured and that, that you know, you're going to squeeze the vitality and the creativity out of the child. And these kinds of conversation where we bring curiosity and wonder are enlivening conversations and they may be intense and passionate and full of feeling, but they haven't gone over the line to coercion and manipulation and making the other person bad and wrong and trying to be controlling of their views. So for people to stay on the respectful side of the lines, Yes. And and I love that you say curiosity and wonder because it reminds me of just how we also navigate our relationship with our children when they're, you know, whether they're having a meltdown or they're being defiant or all of that. It's always about this curiosity and wonder. So I just love the the parallel with, you know, our, our just our adult relationship and also our relationship with our children. Um, you, you brought up something though about uh, coerciveness and, and, you know, trying to get somebody to believe what you believe and such. So to me, like there seems to be a fine line there. When, when do you know to maybe back out of this kind of conversation that, that, you know, that is maybe argumentative where, where it just doesn't feel healthy. Like when do you uh, not, I don't, I don't think it's giving up, but I think there's sometimes when you see that the other person is just not being respectful, that you kind of are, are butting up against something and you're, you're, you're kind of giving away your energy. Uh, when, when, when do you know where to draw the line? Another great question. I wish that there, there was a simple um, <laughs> answer to, to that question, but you know, I'm afraid there's no generic answer to it. You know, like, well, when one person raises their voice above a certain pitch, then that means it's time to, you know, to change, um, or that's it's time to that you've already moved into an argument as opposed to an expression of different uh, opinions. But, but it, is, it is important to be able to, to make that call, to make that assessment. Of course, what's ideal is, is that when you're communicating uh, to each other and expressing your different perspectives, that you're doing it in a way that is not activating the other person's defensiveness or aggressiveness. Um, and I'm not saying that it, it, it's the speaker's fault if the other person is starting to get defensive or reactive. Uh, I'm just saying that there may be something for you to look at if you're noticing that your your partner is becoming uh, less open and more combative. Or by the same token, if you notice that you're feeling defensive and, and combative. Right. Uh, And I'd love if I may ask you, like, is there maybe a certain way of phrasing a question or, you know, something so that we don't flare up that defensiveness in the person that we're, we're speaking to? Like, are there, are there 
yeah, ways to to address a situation that that will avoid those flare-ups. There are a number of things that we can do to enhance the chances of having a successful interchange. Okay. One is creating agreement beforehand that whenever we're having strong feelings about something or some needs that aren't being met, that we both agree that we want to make our best effort to deal with it in a successful way. Defining success as understanding, not necessarily agreement. That sets the stage. That's having the conversation about the conversation that we're going to have later. Checking about the timing to see if somebody's really up for the conversation now. I've got something on my heart, something on my mind, and I'd really like to talk to you about it. Would this be a good time? Also shows a lot of respect, so we get off on a good foot. And then when we get agreement from the person that they want to hear what is going on with us, rather than just making complaints to turn the complaints into what we're committed to. I always feel the complaints get a bad reputation because they get confused with criticism. Complaint is just, this isn't working for me. Like the kids are staying up too late at night. We need a little time for ourselves as adults. I'd like the bedtime to be 8.30. I'd like us to stick to it. That's the complaint. But There's also a request in there. Would you be willing to join me in we're unified about getting the kids to bed early because our relationship really needs it. So if you announce your intention, I want to find something that we can agree on and institute in our family that's going to be beneficial to everybody. I think it's going to be good for the kids if they go to bed. Maybe they don't have to turn out the light. Maybe they look at their picture book for a little while before they go to sleep and they learn how to self-soothe, but they're not encroaching on adult time. And I think it's going to be great for our relationship. And my intention is for us to have the most fabulous relationship that we can have because I think it's an exquisite gift to our kids to see a model of a working partnership. Beautiful. I, I love that, that it's really about like first almost asking for permission, like, are you open to hearing what I have to say? And then really having that intention of, of what we're working on. It's beautiful. I do, something did come up when you were, when you were talking, especially about children is, and I know, you know, I, I have a, a knack for, I feel like I hear my listeners asking questions. And one of them that, that I, I has come up before is, is it bad or, I mean, and I don't like the word bad, but is it like, what are your thoughts on having arguments in front of our children? Like sometimes, you know, we get in, in a hot, debate and, and, and arguing. Is it like, do we have to be careful never to do that in front of the children? Or is it okay? Or if we do do it, do we have to repair? Like what, what's, what's your thought on that? Yeah, that's another one of those questions that doesn't have a, a generic answer. I mean, I'm not being evasive. Uh, but I, I really do think that you have to consider the circumstances of the situation which include the ages of the children, um, how much bandwidth you've got um, 
to, to monitor yourself. Um, the, the circumstances um, around the, the event that that's occurring that require that has activated uh, some conflict between the two of you. So, um, in uh, in general, I, I think um, I, I'm not on of the school of thought that says, you know, you should never argue in front of your children. I, I don't believe that that's necessary to be that extreme about it. However, I, I think that depending upon uh, the age of the kids and how skilled you are at negotiating your differences in ways that won't uh, just pour gasoline on the fire, then it's not only uh, okay, in my opinion, to have some of those uh, conversations, discussions, um, even arguments, if they're not if they're not too extreme, um, but uh, it, it really depends up upon whether or not you can communicate from a place of expressing your preference and your point of view without get, uh, activating. It, with the other person, a response that causes both of you to try to coerce the other person into agreeing with you. Then it becomes combative. Then it becomes manipulative. Then it becomes coercive. And those are the things that, that will take it down. So, so I don't, I'm not saying that if there's any possibility of that happening, you, you know, you shouldn't talk in front of, in front of them, but I am saying that, if it starts to go south like that, if it starts to go down the rabbit hole uh, and you get to that place where we're both, you know, beginning to lock heads here, it's best to just for, for one of you to to say, look, uh, let's talk about this at another point. You know, this this is not a good time. I want to come back to it, but I don't want to I don't want to get into it right now. I'd like to weigh in on this too. Yes, please, please. I have very strong feelings about it. There are people who indulge themselves way too much. Not only should they not be indulging themselves that way with threats and ultimatum and screaming and shouting and uh, pouting and manipulative tactics, not only should they not be doing it in front of the kids, they shouldn't be doing it to, with their partner either. Those people need to go behind the closed door and hopefully commit themselves to becoming more conscious combatants so they delete out those manipulative tactics with the threats and ultimatums and why don't you get a divorce and those ugly things. I don't want to see the children exposed to that. I think that that is really harsh for the children to be exposed to that. But on the other hand, that those are the really indulgent people who need to clean up their act. On the other hand, there are a lot of people who are conflict avoidant and they don't want to deal with the issues and they keep mounting up a you know, big pile of incompletions and they can use the children as an excuse to avoid getting down to the issues. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to talk about it and I don't want to talk about it and I don't want to talk about it and the things don't go away. They just are waiting for attention. I think those conflict phobic people would be doing themselves and their kids a service if they 
weren't so skillful, but at least they were making their best effort. Because I think that the kids know that the tension is there. They feel it. Who are they kidding? They're not keeping their differences away from the kids. In a way, it's a little scarier for the children and everybody that it's unspeakable. And when they at least make their best effort to put their conflict out there and deal with it responsibly. And the kids see them kiss and make up at the end. It's okay. It soothes the children and it doesn't scare them. Right. Right. And if you, if, if, for example, you know, you do have an argument that maybe doesn't get resolved in, in, you know, kissing up and making up and the children have witnessed all this, do you do you advise like to go back to the children when you know when everything is said and done and everybody is calm like to go back and try to reassure the children that this is you know just you know adults that aren't agreeing on something and there's nothing for you to fear because i feel that that you know oftentimes when we witness as children we witness arguments we can go into that you know thinking of oh no my parents are going to get a divorce or they're separated or it's my fault or you know all of whatever goes on in the children's um thinking so do you like do you advise parents to maybe go back and try to repair things with children Yes, it's a good yeah. idea. Okay. They can see the repair between the couple, their parents. I think that's a gift to them. And it also to say, you know, mom and dad love each other. And we have differences. And, you know, sometimes people have differences. They never really solve them. But we respect the differences and we're fine. And we're, we're a loving family and we have differences. I have differences from you sometimes too. And I have differences from dad sometimes too. And we make room for that. Right, right. Okay. Because, right, to me, it's it's important to to make sure that the, they are okay too, especially if they witness, you know, a big argument and, and I don't want them to be scared of anything. So, wonderful. Well, this has been delightful to have this conversation. I think I'm hoping that this is very helpful to our listeners because, geez, I mean, what do we have if we don't have good relationships, right? It's it's like the 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 weaving of all of our lives is the relationships that we have with our partners, but also with other individuals. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Um, I would like to wrap up maybe with a more personal question, if I may. Sure. And I didn't actually ask you if you are parents yourselves. We have a son and a daughter, and we have three grandsons, the youngest of which is going to be a teenager this summer. So we're soon to have three teenage grandsons. Oh, my goodness. How wonderful. Well, I to report that they will still go on vacation with us. Oh, lovely. And that's I think nice. that that's a teaching in and of itself. <laughs> not, not to be too, too controlling with your kids when they're younger, because when they finally get free and they're adults, sometimes you say, nobody's going to tell me what to do anymore. And they go their merry way. So 
you know, we have the long view uh, since we're, we're in the age bracket that we are. And so we sometimes issue a warning to younger parents to get ready for empty nests, take good care of your relationships so you won't be living with a stranger when the kids leave home and have the respectful relationship that you possibly can, the best respectful relationship and the closest rapport with your kids so that when they're adults, they still want to be in your life. Mm, yeah, so true. So true. Well, my, my question is, um, I often ask if you were to go back, so I don't know how old your eldest is. Getting close to 50. 50. Okay. So, so this is, this is a tricky question because what I, I I usually ask my guests is to go back. So for you, it would be to go back, you know, 51 years ago. And what wise words would you tell yourself knowing all that you know today? Like when you were expecting that first child? Um, Well, I know exactly what I would say from where I am now. Okay. But I'm afraid that uh, 51 years ago, I would not have accepted what <laughs> what I ah heard. interesting okay yeah please share yes yeah, because I heard it from other people mm-hmm. and I didn't really take it in, and that was that this is going to go way faster than you think, mm. and you're not going to want to miss any of it. So. Be very careful about how and with whom you spend your time, because if you're not careful, you're going to have some serious regrets when your kids are older. That's what I would say, uh, and that's what I heard I heard from other people, not necessarily those exact words, but um, uh, I regret that I didn't take them as seriously as I wish I had. Um, And I am grateful that I did finally get the message before it was too late. Wonderful, wonderful. And Linda, anything to add to that? Yes, I don't have too many regrets about my life. I just have a very, very few. And one of them is that there was a time in my life when I was raising kids where I was so obsessed and worried about them that I didn't take good enough care of myself personally and good enough care of my romantic partnership. We did not go on very many romantic getaways during the time that we were raising the children, and we didn't go on very many honeymoons. And I wish I had bought more childcare and gone on date night, and I wish we every one of the romantic getaways and honeymoons that we had was so precious to me. And I think if I had gifted myself with more time to do that and really enjoy it and relax and lay on the beach, you know, just with the sun and nobody to have to take care of, just, just cocooning with my husband, I think I would have enjoyed those childhood years raising those kids so much more. Because when we would come back from those trips, they looked so cute to me. (laughs) (laughs) And I I tell um, younger couples, really make time for your partnership. And I don't want you to neglect your children and I don't want you to neglect your careers, but put the relationship really high on the priority list and, and do care for it. Yes, beautiful. Thank you for that because it is 
so true and so important to to nurture that that initial relationship. Thank you. Um, any parting words that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Well, I think that the end to arguing, if they get the book, and it's only a dollar ninety nine for the ebook, so it's very inexpensive and it's reader friendly. Little short chapters that will enhance their ability to deal with their differences gracefully. And I think that that will be a big boon to the relationship and family life in general. And I also want to invite people to come to our email list, which is bloomwork.com. There's all kinds of free things on our website. We have free eBooks and we have blogs and we have YouTube channel videos. And so people can learn a lot about creating happy family by availing themselves of the resources that they find at our website. Beautiful. Well, thank you. And all of those links will be in the show notes for our listeners. So again, thank you so much, Linda and Charlie, for being on The Art of Parenting today. I enjoyed your questions. Thank you for the lovely questions. Yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Art of Parenting podcast. And if you did, please share it with your loved ones and make sure to leave a review so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.